The winningest team in baseball also has the most saves, and people who save the most money are winners. So start earning saves by investing in worthy bonds for only $10 each. These bonds earn a fixed 7% APY, and there's no fees, penalties, or minimum balance required, and they can be redeemed whenever you like. You can even round up everyday purchases to buy additional bonds. Go to worthybonds.com backslash save. That's worthybonds.com backslash save and save and win. It's time to face the music. It's your day in court with a people's lawyer, Bruce Hagan and attorney Ray Judice. Welcome to your day in court on Extra 106.3. My name is Tug Coward, along with renowned lawyers, Bruce Hagan and Ray Judice. We're going to get into... DUI roadblocks. What should you do and what should you not do when you see that roadblock ahead? Before we get to that, Bruce, how do folks get a hold of you if they need your help? Yes, great to be here this morning. If uh, you have any questions about a personal injury matter, you can get hold of me anytime. Bruce at Hagen-Law is the website, H-A-G-E-N-Law.com. Uh, you can call me, 404-522-7553. We take calls 24-7. And happy to help you if you need it. Uh, if it's not a personal injury matter, just like Ray, um, we can connect you with some of the best lawyers in town for pretty much anything that you need. So uh, call, email, happy to help any of our listeners. There you go. And Ray? Well, here we are. It's Saturday morning, right? You're listening to this great show and you have a legal question. Mm-hmm. You can call me on myself, 404-964-4185. Saturday morning, I'm usually doing the errands, the dry cleaners, the get the car gassed up, those kind of things, get some coffee in me. Got something you want to talk about? You want a referral to write a good will? You want a referral for a medical malpractice case? Bruce is one of the best in the state of Georgia. We've worked on some big cases together. You got a DUI case or your family does. Call me, 404-964-4185. Website is Ray at Ray G Law. And just like Bruce, you know, back when we started practicing law, well, let's talk about 30-something years ago. The practice of law was banker's hours, Mm -hmm. Monday through Friday, 9 to 5. A few guys may have had a pager. A couple guys had those cell phones that were big as suitcases. (laughs) But pretty much lawyers went home at 5 o'clock, and your problem sat till the next morning, maybe. Not anymore. Those days are over. That's what you say. You don't have uh, you don't have any hobbies. Your hobby is work. <laughs> which, it's which, terrible. I, I do have hobbies, uh, so I've taken a better. different approach to this. Which is, but, which is a bike. You're a biker. Uh, bike. I golf. I, I have yeah. grandkids now. I'm yeah. spending time with. So uh, I have a few hobbies, but uh, it doesn't mean that I'm any less accessible. No, but you're <laughs> a much more well-rounded human being than I am. <laughs> there's, there's gives and takes here. I see. Uh, so if somebody sees a DUI checkpoint ahead. Let's say they're a mile from it, but you can see it. It's so clear what's happening. What's the first thing they should not do? Well, first of all, let's change the vernacular. Okay. They're not DUI check stop, uh, checkpoints. Checkpoints. They're safety checkpoints. Yeah, of course they are. Right. They yes, are checking right. for valid driver's license, mm-hmm. seat belts, making sure you're not talking on your phone. Good evening, Mr. Hagen. Oh, I see your phone is in the cradle and your license is valid and your seatbelt is on. Is that Crown Royal that I smell in there? Oh, my. <laughs> Have you been at the Lawyers Club party? Goodness oh, gracious. Can mind if I check you so that you're safe to drive? So so that's what it is. So uh, these roadblocks, checkpoints, are in lieu of probable cause to pull you over, okay? So normally the officer has to at least make up something that will hold the test, weaving in the roadway, excessive speed. The easy ones are the accidents, the red light violations. Most of them are captured on the dashboard video. That's probable cause to pull you over for the traffic violation. 
If an officer says, well, he was weaving in the roadway and I thought he was drunk, that's a problem for law enforcement. That's They're making assumptions, okay? They're skipping the hurdles. Great. When you say that these are safety checkpoints, mm-hmm. are you saying that that's a pretext and that's really <laughs> not what this is about? And, but, because it sounds like it. Because, because it does really, sound a lot like that. And, and the reason Ray points out that you can't call it a DUI checkpoint is that if we're just looking for drunks, um, then that could be a problem when they try to go to court and say that we were objective and we approached this thing. That, that yeah, impaired drivers, impaired right. drivers. So, so when they say that, well, we're checking to make sure that registration documents are updated or that folks have insurance and or that taillights are all operable, whatever, whatever pretext they want to come up with for the roadblock, what they're really doing is trying to find impaired drivers, trying to find people with warrants on them um, that they can bring in. And, and whatever the reason is, they're trying to find some illegal activity, but they can't say that's what we're doing. That's yeah, right. no, I get that. But me as Joe Q. Citizen, as soon as I see that, I know what's happening. I'm not an idiot. You know, I mean, I know exactly what's going well, on. Well, we're not saying you're not an idiot. <laughs> you know, I mean, <laughs> I mean, well, gone that's that far yet. <laughs> right. Well, that's that's, you that's debatable. <laughs> you're exactly right. Debatable. But, but I'm smart enough to know what's happening ahead of me and when I see right. the big old SWAT right. well, truck. Well, first year of law school, we're taught what are legal fictions, okay? There's fantasies. Like, like probable cause, a jury of your peers. We talk about them every week. Mm-hmm. They're they're fictions, okay? And what the United States Supreme Court has said in a case that goes way back to 1990, and in many cases since then in almost every state court, you can, if the state does it properly now, now they've set up a lot of rules. So here's how it used to be. Four or five officers would be sitting over at the Dunkin' Dine and say, at Cheshire Bridge Road at around 1 in the morning. Hey, Let's go over there to the Cheshire and Piedmont and set up a roadblock, and we'll, and we'll just pull everybody over. Can't do that anymore. Got to have a plan, a formula. We're going to stop every car, every third car. We're going to stop it at this time from 11 to 2 o'clock in the morning. They've got to put out signs and cones and have a supervising officer and record every officer that was there. It has to be done as if you're getting a search warrant, crossing the T's and dotting the I's because it is in lieu of, in place of, a search warrant or probable cause. I, so when I see that, though, immediately I tense up, even if I've done nothing wrong. It just be all the lights. You're like, oh, my gosh. Well, uh, and you're nervous, right? Because you're like, I've not done anything wrong. But then you start going through, the, through your head. And what did do I have my seatbelt on? Have sure. I touched my phone? And I can tell you, any child of the 60s who grew up watching Batman knew about the powers of the Batmobile and the things they should do. But one thing you should not do when you see that roadblock up ahead, don't hit the bat chutes yeah. and immediately do, do a U-turn. Do you no, turn you and use the hook for the bat. For the hook, yeah. The parachute versus the excessive speed. Don't do anything like that because the minute they see you, yes. they're waiting for you now to Now, that's to probable that. cause for them to go after you mm-hmm. for obstruction, avoidance of the roadblock. Right. And now you, you open up a whole new can of worms. What mm-hmm. are you going to say? Well, I was in a hurry and I didn't have time to show my documents. Yeah, right. Buddy. I realized I was going in the wrong direction. I thought there was an accident up ahead and I'd get out of the way. Yeah. None of those None play of those well. Play right. right. Yeah, right. So, so at that point, you're going to be uh, caught up in whatever the... The issue is, and so, you know, again, we've talked about this before, um, one of the indicators that police will look at when they're deciding, is there a reason for me to go further in my inquiry here is, are little things like, did the driver fumble to pull out their driver's license or their insurance card? Uh, did they did they drop things? So you see it coming, you, you know you're about to get a question, have your papers ready, have your license out, have your insurance card out, have your registration handy, you know, be prepared, keep your hands on the wheel where everybody can see them, sure. um, be respectful. Um, yeah, maybe it's 
time for the tic tac or the Altoid if you have it. Um, but actually, that you know. actually that creates probable cause. Uh, well, see there, you uh, have or at it. least it begins. That's they. They're you know, listen. They do this every day, and they know what's going on. So why do they the DUI task force, the Nighthawks? Why do they used to set up a roadblock over by Lennox Road and 400 northbound? Because from 11 p.m to three o'clock in the morning on Thursdays, Fridays, and Saturdays <laughs> right. for safety checks. Yeah. Right. No, right. for Ray coming out of the palm and deciding to, yeah. <laughs> to run up 400 to the next club. And yeah. you see it too in, in areas where they have things like uh, strip clubs that they really don't want to have there. So a newly formed city of Brookhaven or a newly formed Chambly city government, you know, they, they'll put roadblocks outside of these areas where there are strip, strip the bars. The shop. The THC yeah, to, shop. To just make it uh, untenable for the customers. And right. not that it's not a revenue producer, by well, the way. So, okay, well, right. that was going to be my next thing, because when I see it, I think, okay, they're collecting money. Is is I know I know they're not going to admit Tug, to that. you're just so suspicious. Well, I, I, <laughs> I, I, I question everything. I really do. It's just my nature. I question everything until I'm Well, the thing a, is that you're asking the right questions, and you're saying what goes through everybody's mind. Yeah, that's all. And again, you're saying the truth. It's time. You know, hokey balokey, we got to pay the bills. Let's, hey, I know. Let's set up a roadblock over by the Dunkin' Dine or the Sit and Sip, and let's, let's rack it up. I remember when City of Sandy Springs was formed, when City of Dunwoody were formed, and they hadn't had enough time to start collecting taxes yet. It's like, how are they going to fund their city government? He, anybody going 36 an and 35 is going to get a ticket. Uh, let me say this. I did find the one successful way to get through a roadblock without getting pulled over. I was a new parent, a relatively new parent, and we had a minivan. And, mm-hmm. and, and I was so uncomfortable in this minivan. I just, you know, I still thought I was cool. Yeah. Uh, and right. here I'm driving around well, you this, are. this minivan. It's like, this thing is repulsive. Yeah. Uh, no, nobody's going to look at me. No, <laughs> no girl in a the, in the car is going to look over at me and say, hey, check out that guy in the and the Honda Honda Odyssey, Odyssey. Right? Uh, <laughs> That's right. But I, I come pulling up to the roadblock and I just got waved right through in yeah, the minivan. Yeah, they're thinking, yeah. you, you can't be doing yeah. anything wrong. Mm-hmm. It's like, hmm. What's the likelihood? Maybe that's the secret. That's Don't the secret. get this But if you're in that Audi 8 of yours with, yeah. the, with the turbocharged engine, you would have got you would, car. They yeah. would have at least wanted to look and see what's in, in inside the hood. Rev it up. Yeah. Let, let me <laughs> just, just put it in neutral and rev that engine up. But, it, uh, you know, it's constitutional. Now, as defense counsel, we challenge the roadblock in every roadblock case, not what happened after the roadblock. Yes, we do eventually. But I make the prosecution prove that the roadblock was set up according to the constitutional guidelines of both the U.S. Constitution and the Georgia Constitution. And many times they can't do it because it really requires a lot of work. They have to have the plan. It has to be written. It has to be approved by a supervisor. And on the video, we need to see the cones and the flares and the lights that you have to be warned that you're approaching a safety stop. I mean, there's a lot of requirements, and all the T's have to be crossed and the I's have to be dotted, or just like in a search warrant. Criminal defense lawyers, the first thing you do, no matter how how much evidence the state has, well, let's go back to the beginning and see if the search warrant was good. Because it just can't be, hey, we heard a rumor that there's some drugs in apartment 105B. It has to be, we made a hand-to-hand sale, an undercover purchase. We had three informants. We, you know, we smelled the marijuana outside the door. The dog hit on the apartment. Then we went and got a search warrant. That's probable cause. Don't yeah. make the mistake of thinking that what Ray's talking about are technicalities because that's insulting. They're constitutional requirements. That's that a great point. Have. And, and so, you know, people say, oh, we got off on a technicality. Yeah, the Constitution is full of them. We yeah. fought a, civil, a, a, a revolutionary that's war right. yeah. because the Redcoats would kick in our doors, go through our stuff, 
take our stuff, take our chickens and our guns and, and, and without a warrant. That's I right. mean, that was really, you know, yeah. if King George had just said, okay, Redcoats, you guys got to get a warrant from a magistrate before you do all that, yeah. we'd probably be speaking with a British accent, well, like, for, like Madonna. Thank Right, like, you know, like Madonna does, even though she's not British whatsoever. Detroit, I think. But, yeah, right. So it, it's it's so good that uh, that they decided not to do that and not listen to you. And now that we're, uh, we're pre- free and private citizens and, and have great counsel, from guys like you. This is Extra 106.3. Get the app. It is the best and easiest way to listen. You can listen to this show or you can stream them on any podcasting platform. Just search for Your Day in Court with Bruce Hagen and Ray Judice. This is Extra 106.3. The winningest team in baseball also has the most saves and people who save the most money are winners. So start earning saves by investing in worthy bonds for only $10 each. These bonds earn a fixed 7% APY, and there's no fees, penalties, or minimum balance required, and they can be redeemed whenever you like. You can even round up everyday purchases to buy additional bonds. Go to worthybonds.com backslash save. That's worthybonds.com backslash save, and save and win. Hey everybody, Buck Blue here, and as a recent customer of Jim Ellis Automotive and a longtime friend of the Vice President, Stacey Ellis, man, I know Jim Ellis Automotive Group takes pride in being a family-owned and operated business. I saw it firsthand. When Stacey's granddad, Jim Ellis, founded the company back in 71, his goal was to treat every customer like family by offering a car buying experience that was both easy and fully transparent. And it worked. 50 years later, Stacy's dad, Jimmy Ellis, grew the organization to become Georgia's largest family-owned and operated automotive group. And today, third-generation family members like Stacy, along with more than 1,700 dedicated team members, are working hard to uphold the values Jim Ellis Automotive was founded on. And that's why Jim Ellis has been around for over 50 years. Enjoy the advantages of buying your next vehicle from a family-owned and operated dealership. Visit JimEllis.com or stop by any of their 20 dealerships located throughout Metro Atlanta. Jim Ellis Automotive, where you can always expect the best. This is your day in court with Bruce Hagan and Ray Judice on Extra 106.3. Welcome back to your day in court with Bruce Hagan and Ray Judice. My name is Tug Cowart. This is Extra 106.3. If you're looking for great legal commentary, and uh, it's not personalized advice because you have to speak with these guys to get your situation analyzed and broken down so you get the best advice for your particular situation. We kind of talk about broad topics when it comes to the legal system here in the United States and in the state of Georgia. But if you need that help, make sure you reach out to either Bruce or Ray or both for that matter and uh, and get all the help you need when it comes to your legal situation. All right. I want to get into something that happened. There's an autopsy that revealed unusual, uh, unusually severe brain disease in a former NFL player accused of fatally shooting six people in Rock Hill, South Carolina, before killing himself back in April cornerback 20 years he played his name is philip adams and he definitely had cte then you've been dealing with this for a long time bruce i was involved very early on in what became known as the nfl concussion litigation i mean back in 2011 i was approached by a former nfl player about getting involved in this case against the nfl and at that time nothing had been filed we were the second case in the country filed here in georgia all the cases eventually became consolidated into, it wasn't a class action, but it's a mass tort initially. 
when it got settled, it became a class action at that point. But we had about 500 clients, all former NFL players, and were involved in the leadership committees and helping to get some remedies for these former players. Unfortunately, as the case went along, it really got hijacked by the lead counsel who just made it his own case to the exclusion of everybody else's involvement. And the ultimate settlement was deficient in many ways. But one of the things, and and really at the basis for this case, was this diagnosis of CTE in former pro football players combined with the fact that the NFL had for years just discounted the connection between repetitive blows to the head and long-term brain damage. And one of the things that happens with CTE, and, and you know, it's, it's similar in a lot of ways to PTSD in military veterans, in the sense that you could have 100 people exposed to the same external stimulus and 98 of them handle it just fine and move on with their life, and two people really can't handle it very well and are crippled by this debilitating disease. Yeah. And and it doesn't mean that there's anything illegitimate about it. It's just that for whatever reason, two people's brains were wired in a way that they could not move forward. And it's kind of similar to that with CTE. They all have it. All these NFL players eventually are going to be found to have it, but only in a small percentage of them does it affect them in a way that they lose their impulse control. They're, they're not able to make rational decisions. It was diagnosed early on, if, if anybody saw the movie Concussion, which was a great movie with Will, Will Smith, Smith describing it, but it was diagnosed by a guy named Bennett Omalu, who was a neuropathologist working at the morgue in Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania, and the brain of Mike Webster came through there, who was a longtime Pittsburgh Steeler player, uh, center, and his life had just gone completely off the rails. Um, and he sees this brain, and there's some strange phenomenon taking place there. Well, then a couple of other bodies came through there for autopsy, he looked at the brain and found the same thing. Turns out they were also former pro football players, also with the Steelers. He brought these findings forward, was completely discredited, but eventually was proven to be right that, you know, this this disease is there and it's a common thing here. Researchers at Boston University kind of took over a lot of uh, Dr. Amalu's work and, and took it much further, started accepting donations of brain tissue after people died um, and were able to diagnose this post-mortem. So unfortunately, the only real test for it right now is on autopsy, which doesn't do you a lot of good as far as mm-hmm. trying to get treatment yeah. or identify the folks who have this uh, and whatnot. But there are uh, there's a lot of research taking place here. And probably by 2025, there will be a valid test that's out there uh, that will allow um, researchers to look at this and say, yeah, yes, this person living has CTE, which then raises the issue of, okay, so how would that work in, let's say, the trial of somebody like Philip Adams who killed six people? Does that get him off the hook for his criminal conduct? Does that open up any other doors of liability? Yeah, and and part of the problem in the diagnosis from, from you're an expert, but I'm an observer, is that much of the symptomology mirrors things like early onset dementia, uh, alcoholism, you know, and, and where for years people said, well, uh, who's the great guy, the player for the Chargers? Junior Sato. Junior Sato. Yeah. I mean, here's a physical specimen from another freaking planet uh, who at a very early age, for early 40s perhaps, yeah. uh, committed suicide. And, and people sort of said, well, Junior's a little off his game today, not the sport, but, you know, in his memory or his recall. And of course, you know, famous professional athletes, the door is open for them and life is a little bit easier. So he glided by for many years without a diagnosis of anything. Right. And that led to severe depression, 
and led to suicide. Yeah, so. the behaviors really do mirror other be- or behaviors that are just caused by things such as um, well, of course, dementia uh, yeah. and, and, and any any kind of bad behavior. And sometimes just bad behavior is what it comes right, off as. Right. You know, what? Uh, un- unfortunately, we had um, a lot of widows that we spoke to, um, and the last years of their relationship were horrible because this person who they had married was not the same person right. after a period of time and became violent at times, um, irrational. You couldn't talk to them, couldn't explain anything. And the ending was always horrible. The finances the, were a disaster. Oh gosh, you know, it was like, successful business people who threw it all away right. on, on reckless things. And, and so, yeah, it, it, it mirrors a lot of bad behavior, but it, its origin is that the damage to this one area of the brain that that really messes with people's behaviors and impulses and um, they're not capable of doing uh, of exercising reasonable self-control and self-restraint and you see it and and you know it's um it's something that I think anybody who played a contact sport you see it in hockey soccer. players soccer headers, and, and yeah. girls soccer yeah. became kind of the second most common sport for it so now you see that people train differently they don't have to drill headers all the time in practice and and you know again it's it's one header is not going to cause you to have cte no, um but repetitive but a career of him yeah a career of him will Look you know take being a boxer you know we, we, we this this was observable in the 1920s when they talk about the punch drunk syndrome um and you know you saw it in the old boxers it's like ah, yeah he had one too many fights and you know now he's just hanging around as a bouncer at the bar because that's all he can do but but it was legitimate science even then which like I say, this the reason the NFL was culpable is because they hid this information from the players. They deceived the players actively with misinformation. They set up phony science panels and phony magazines to produce this uh, documentation. When somebody came out with legitimate research, they attacked them viciously about it. So that that's why they're culpable. If the NFL had taken the approach of putting in the initial contract for rookies— um, Playing football is very likely to cause you long-term brain damage. Please sign here if you want to continue. But they, if you're they not, were, everyone would have signed. If it. <laughs> you're not willing to take this risk, we yeah. understand. Good luck in whatever comes next. Every single player would have signed on. Every sure. single because they're 22 man. years old and they're invulnerable and they're not thinking about. They're in their peak physical condition and they're invincible. And, and again, yeah. there's there's a campaign of those who are exhibiting these. Uh, older players, retired players who are exhibiting these manifestations. Oh, he's got a drinking problem. Oh, he's, you know, he won too many times of, of whatever he was using or he's got early onset dementia. Nobody said it's from repetitive concussions and we're giving you these helmets that are essentially cereal bowls with a strap and, and having you run into each other. I mean, look at now in the law, just quick aside, you have to have two elements to commit a crime. There's what's called mens rea and actus rea. Those are Latin terms. The mens rea means the mental formulation of the crime. Yeah. Before you, you I leave. thought of the idea. Yeah. Before I leave here today, I'm going to go in David Dickey's office and I'm going to take, take that Mont Blanc pen off his desk and <laughs> I'm going to run down the street with it. Yeah. Then the second part is actually doing it. The activation, the active act of the crime. You really basically have to have two to be successfully prosecuted. So what would the possibility of this test, this early test diagnosis of CTE due to the criminal justice system, our day in court. Well, I might have a client who committed a crime, red-handed, got him on videotape, he, he, whatever he did. He went in there and took David's yeah, Montblanc sure, pen, okay? Sure. Ran down the street with it, sold it. But he's got early CTE diagnosis. Well, there's the actus rea, there's the act, but is there the mens rea? 
I'm going to steal that pen. Could it be as simple as, good pen, I like pen, must take pen, Yeah. pick up pen, walk out door, right. not understanding that you've committed a crime. Sure. And that's where this science may lead to defenses. Now, look, we already have some of these things. You cannot be held uh, or found innocent because of uh, voluntary intoxication. But I can be if somebody puts a Mickey in my drink mm -hmm. and I fall over or I do something wrong. Sure. Uh, if I'm so, if I'm uh, voluntarily incapacitate myself, that's not a defense. But if somebody incapacitates me, it is. Now, what if science and my body incapacitates my ability to formulate in my mind the crime? And that's where we're going. We have a case right now where we're representing the parents of a small child who was killed in a car crash and the driver is being prosecuted for vehicular homicide. And the defense is that this driver's doctor had changed her medication that she had for bipolar disorder um, and that the change in the medication caused an imbalance in her uh, chemicals, you know, affecting her behavior, and that when she acknowledges that you know she was speeding sixty miles an hour down the road and smashed into this car, she was in some sort of manic episode where she didn't have the ability to control her behavior, and and that this is supported by the medicine, and and so it's not a voluntary act. She didn't, she can't be held accountable in the same way. Uh, for her crime. It's it's a tough sell, but you know, in the right case, that medical defense is there. I represented a gentleman a few years ago on a vehicle homicide case, and my client had had seizures, and he was being treated for very significant seizures by our Emory neurologist, and uh, he had what's called a breakthrough seizure. The, the seizure broke through the therapeutic level of the medication. It took a long time. We were very, when I say we got lucky, my client was actually injured in the accident as well, which turned out to help him in that he had blood drawn at the hospital for his personal treatment, and we were able to go back and reverse engineer through his blood test that he had been taking his medications properly. Ah, he right. was within the therapeutic level. The Emory neurologist did a great job on the witness stand and said, Mr. Prosecutor, you, you, I know where you're going, but this is not how science works. And, uh, and we had a very, very lovely gentleman who did not want to kill somebody at 6 o'clock on a Friday night as he was coming home from work. He wasn't speeding. He wasn't racing. He wasn't drinking. Mm. <laughs> and and an So accidents do happen. Yeah, we, sure. we had a case, and if we're going to tell war stories, we had a case of yeah. uh, terrible injuries involving a car going high speed on North Druid Hills Road and my client in a car that got hit flipped over. It was a violent uh, crash. But apparently the driver had a seizure um, earlier. Now, not not at the moment. He had, he had a seizure, stopped his car, called his wife, said, I just had a seizure. Right now he knows I shouldn't drive if I'm having a seizure, right? And, and what does the law say? Well, if you have a seizure, you lose your license for six yeah, months. You take right? your license away. From yeah. So, so he had a seizure. He he stopped his car somehow. He, he said, it, "I just was pressing my foot on the brake. I couldn't take it off." But I stopped his car. Calls his wife. Wife says, "Call the ambulance." He goes, "No, I'm going to drive myself to the hospital." Then he goes and starts driving to the hospital, and that's when he has a second seizure. Oh my! And crashes into my client. So so as a fact, and we didn't know it at the time, the insurance company is raising a defense of a medical emergency that you can use as a valid defense if it's unforeseeable. 
un- unforeseen emergency, right? Like the first seizure. The first one. He didn't know, he didn't know it was coming. But the second one, he shouldn't have dr- driven. He made a conscious decision, and that's how we were able to get past that medical defense argument and get to a recovery here because the insurance company was trying to say that, no, he, this was an involuntary action. He couldn't possibly have done that. And what both of our little war stories prove is that when you hire a lawyer, get a lawyer that is not afraid to either file suit File discovery, enter a not guilty plea, go talk to the witnesses, get the medical records, get the cell phone records, take depositions, all of that. walk the street, look at the, how much glass is in the middle of the intersection from all the prior wrecks and say, hey, I wonder if DOT has any responsibility here since they knew this is a really bad, poorly designed intersection. Yeah. You don't learn that sitting in your office settling no, cases right. quick. You're right no, about right. that. I mean, that this particular case I'm talking about, the, the initial defense was from the insurance company, we're not taking responsibility. This man had a seizure. Um, I took his deposition, and then the deposition is when we found out the story about the prior seizure, the the conversation with his wife. I mean, that stuff isn't in police reports, right, and the course. insurance company doesn't tell you this. That, that we found out when we when we told our client, we're not going to abandon you here because some insurance company's standing in the way. And we're leading into our next segment, when the defendant called his insurance company to tell to tell his version of the facts he didn't tell the version of the facts that you then found out he didn't tell them the truth you know, or they didn't ask the right questions they, and yeah. do their homework one Here, or, one here's or how those recorded statements sometimes go um okay mr uh, insured um i'm going to take a statement from you and turn the recorder on in a minute but i want you to understand that if this crash is uh, turns out to be your fault we're either going to raise your rates substantially, probably double or triple your rates, or we're more likely to just cancel you, and then you're going to have a really hard time getting insurance after this. So, all right, I'm going to turn the recorder on now. Uh, okay, Mr. Insurance, let me ask a question. Was this crash your fault? No, no, no I didn't. It's not my fault. You yeah. know, I wasn't even in the county. Yeah. Uh, you, you know, I mean, yeah. it, it's so, excuse, it's yes. so corrupt what, yeah. what goes on with insurance companies. But we're getting we're getting off track. Yeah, so, we'll get we'll get to some of that though here in a little bit about talking to these are your called insurance segues, companies. Bruce. Yeah, it's, it's yeah. A, but, but no, it's great. It's a great. <laughs> Radio technique, and you, you are a master of it. I'm going to segue back into the actual uh, story we're working on here today. Yeah, sure. so, so the issue with CTE in uh, football players and athletes has a, a really important application when it comes to military veterans, because military veterans deal with a lot of the same issues, um, especially if they're in an environment where they're around a lot of explosions. You know, the, the, the concussive blows that, that take place and the effect on the brain over time is so debilitating vets and and so so the research that's being done here is not just so that former um, contact sport athletes can have a defense in criminal cases it's really to try to find an application to help our veterans um, and find a way to give them treatment and give them some some ability to live a normal life um, in their post-military career because it, it's just awful to see and especially you know some of the folks who've come back from um, you know, being deployed in the last 20 years and, and all the constant explosions that they're around from IEDs and otherwise, um, it, it, it's just really, really important research that's taking place. And uh, the, the best thing that will come out of this is if they can identify CTE in the living and come up with a plan to say, here's here are some things we can do to help reverse the effects of this so that um, our military vets will have the ability to live fulfilled lives. Well, in any medical situation, earlier diagnosis means earlier treatment, more accurate treatment, and better results. Now, as you say, especially for our military vets, 
Uh, these are tough roads to hoe. I mean, you know, they may have been inside that Abrams tank and the roadside bomb went off and nobody lost a limb, thank God, but they sustained the, the, the concussion. Sure. Uh, you were in the Navy. I mean, those gunners. Oh, my gosh. I mean, the, the headsets that they have to wear and the Absolutely. reverbs through their bodies. And so the earlier science can diagnose, treat, also important for these veterans to have and access the benefits they're entitled to as quickly as possible, not at the end in their last days. Right. Yeah, that's they've an, earned it. That's another thing that I, that I think is interesting here. What recourse? And and I don't know if you know the answer or, or if you've ever represented someone that's been in the military and and sustained those kinds of injuries. And either at the time they knew it and, and you represented them or it was after they gotten out of the military and you represented. Have you ever ran across that? Well, that's a perfect example of the sort of question that if somebody called my office with that, it would it would come straight to me and I would talk to a person and I'd say, you know what? I've never done that kind of a case, but I know somebody who specializes in the area of helping military veterans with their claims, whether they're disability claims or or whatever it might be. And and I would give them the phone number of somebody who I know. I'll who's do it right now. Steve and Patty Schumacher, both ar- career army. They practice in Metro Atlanta. Fantastic lawyers and specialize in representing veterans in a whole matter. And that's yeah. so that's so, what I would do. But, I, I have to know them. And I right. I call call them up and say, I want you to talk to this client. And the general public may not know how to find that's someone right. like that's that. A and, and, and you know, that's a that's a classic example I where um, yeah, a generalist could probably figure this stuff out to an extent, but we're not gonna know the ins and outs of it and be able to just immediately assess your situation and get you in the best hands possible like a, an expert would. That's that's exactly right because you, you hit the nail on the head. I was in the Navy. I um, had no idea that someone like that. That was generally it was really truly a blind question. I had no idea. And and for you to be able to on on a dime, both of you know someone who works in that field. Seventy and, something years of what we do, and right. we wa- and we want those folks to send us yeah, people absolutely. that they, no, they yeah, don't specialize. Absolutely, yeah. no, yeah. I understand that completely. And 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 that's that's why it's so important to work with people who you can trust and people who have the experience to take your case to court and not try to settle out because that happens a lot right it's just a, and we've talked about it a million times some of the big 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 firms man they got they got junior guys that'll jump in and they just settle it just to, to move it on the other part of it is too is that you you'll say you're a solo practitioner and you get a cte case or you get one of these cases that really requires specialization knowledge experience and and resources you want to take that case to Bruce Hagen's law office. He had, I don't know how many clients did you have, multiple. Yeah, about 500 by you, the time and we were wow. And you That's knew the science backwards and forwards, and you had muscle. You had critical mass. Uh, where a solo practitioner, as much as he or she may have graduated the top of their law school class, great lawyer, you, you can't know everything, and you can't know everything to the level of specialty that it now requires. So, Bruce, where do you see this going? Because you, you talked about the Boston University study maybe being able to use uh, MRI technology to diagnose CTE in, in players in the NFL, but, but elsewhere, too. How do you see all this playing together, uh, playing out and coming together in the end? Well, it's it's uh, as you say, MRI technology has gotten so advanced. There's also these biomarkers that they can kind of track enzymes in the brain and see what's there and ha- how the brain behaves um, to be able to determine if somebody has the presence of CTE. So, you know, the research will continue. Um, these these groups, um, Boston University at the forefront of it. Are continuing to collect brains. It sounds so morbid, but it does but a they, bit. But you know, they they put the word out to to all the 
former football players, hockey players, athletes, if somebody dies, please have the brain harvested and sent here for study. Um, I, I remember having a really morbid conversation with the family of somebody who died, um, who was buried, and they were aware of what was going on in this lawsuit. It's like, you know, does dad have a claim here? And I met with the family, there's multiple folks, and I'm talking to them about the possibility of exhuming the body, uh, as distasteful as that might be, to see if the brain is still in a, a decent enough condition that it could be examined and studied for the presence of CTE. And one of the family members who, you know, summed it up pretty quickly um, was saying that, so you're saying that uh, so-and-so basically has a scratch-off ticket inside of his head that's buried oh six my. feet under the ground. And if we're lucky enough, that could be worth $2 million. It's like, well, you know, I if wouldn't put, put it in those terms. <laughs> but, but that's exactly the situation here because right. I can't tell you for sure right. that, that he has it. But I do know that if he does, based on his age at the time of death and based on the years he played um, – this is what he, the payout Goodness would be, would be a $2 gracious. million dollar payout. Thankfully, I, I really, as much as I wanted to help, you handle the, it more the family decided yeah. not to pursue <laughs> the, uh, the, the process of exhuming the body and getting the brain. But well, one of the things you also need to see are the, this needs to bubble up. So the general practitioners, the, the doc in a box, the, maybe even the, the optimician, you know, checking their eyes. Ophthalmologist. Ophthalmologist, thank you. You know, is this something that we need to start referring these folks, especially all of our veterans, at the VA hospital, at their at their doctor's office, at their dentist's office. Are you having headaches? Well, it's not. I don't find anything in your mouth. What might be the other right. cause of that? Yeah, yeah. And right. uh, we need to get them again. I, you know, for our VA hospitals to be anything less than the best hospitals on the face of this earth is a shame. Yeah, it is indeed. This is your day in court with Bruce Hagan and Ray Judice. On Extra 106.3, download the app. That way you can listen to this show anytime, anywhere, or you can stream it in podcast form wherever you get your downloads. We will continue this show next. The winningest team in baseball also has the most saves, and people who save the most money are winners. So start earning saves by investing in worthy bonds for only $10 each. These bonds earn a fixed 7% APY, and there's no fees, penalties, or minimum balance required, and they can be redeemed whenever you like. You can even round up everyday purchases to buy additional bonds. Go to worthybonds.com backslash save. That's worthybonds.com backslash save. And save and win. Hey everybody, Buck Blue here, and as a recent customer of Jim Ellis Automotive and a longtime friend of the Vice President, Stacey Ellis, man, I know Jim Ellis Automotive Group takes pride in being a family-owned and operated business. I saw it firsthand. When Stacey's granddad, Jim Ellis, founded the company back in 71, his goal was to treat every customer like family by offering a car buying experience that was both easy and fully transparent. And it worked. 50 years later, Stacy's dad, Jimmy Ellis, grew the organization to become Georgia's largest family-owned and operated automotive group. And today, third-generation family members like Stacy, along with more than 1,700 dedicated team members, are working hard to uphold the values Jim Ellis Automotive was founded on. And that's why Jim Ellis has been around for over 50 years. Enjoy the advantages of buying your next vehicle from a family-owned and operated dealership. Visit JimEllis.com or stop by any of their 20 20 dealerships located throughout Metro Atlanta. Jim Ellis Automotive, where you can always expect the best. This is your day in court with Bruce Hagan and Ray Judice on Extra 1063. 
Welcome back to Your Day in Court with Bruce Hagan and Ray Judice on Extra 106.3. My name is Tug Cowart. I'll tell you in just a moment how you can get a hold of either Bruce or Ray if you need legal advice, expert legal advice from two of the best lawyers in the state of Georgia, maybe even in the United States of America. So if you need their help, we're going to let you under, uh, we're going to give you the number to reach out to them to get that help, that guidance you need to hold your hand through the legal process because it is full of potholes and things that can trip you up that you have no idea that's coming. Another thing that you deal with every day, or at least monthly, is paying your insurance premium. What happens when you have a claim? Is it better to deal with the insurance company or get a lawyer to help you deal with an insurance company? That's an easy question. It's always better to get a lawyer involved. But the real issue is at what point? Because some people are just adamant that they're going to resolve these matters themselves. They feel like they're good people. They pay their premiums. You know, the problem with what they perceive as the uh, explosion of false claims is not anything that they would ever participate in because they would only be involved in a legitimate claim. So they're going to do it themselves. You mentioned pitfalls along the way. There are so many mistakes that people make in doing things by themselves without even realizing yeah, just it. just by not knowing. The first one being that they give a tape-recorded interview to the insurance company for the driver that you're trying they're to hold at fault. With. You're doing this in the thought that, oh, I'm going to cooperate because that's the right thing to do here and will get me to a recovery. What they don't realize is that you're dealing with a corrupt industry. And if any of our listeners work in the insurance, uh, liability insurance industry, I'm sorry, I'm not saying this behind your back. I would say it straight to your face. You are part of a corrupt industry. And the recorded statement that this insurance adjuster is doing is not intended to try to get to the truth and help us make you whole for all your injuries. How can we quickly pay you and, and take care of this? What they're trying to do is find ways that they can avoid paying you entirely or minimize immediately what they ever will have to pay. You used to see this a lot. You're hit by another vehicle and the uh, the good hands company or somebody like that sends an appraiser out to your house to look at the damage to your car. The report comes back that says, yeah, the, the victim and I got down on our hands and knees and we were looking under the vehicle and then he got up and then he walked around his car and I asked him how he was doing. He said he was okay. And, and then you're stuck with that. So I don't let my clients have any unsupervised contact with the opposing insurance company. We don't give statements. If they have questions, ask me your questions. I'll get you the answers. The other thing, some of the less ethical, even within the industry of corruption. There are some that are worse than others. And, and some of the worst insurance companies, they'll offer people money in that first call. Yeah. Oh, let us pay you $1,000 right now and just sign this release. That says yeah. what on it? That says that no Full matter what happens, final release. Yeah, no matter what <laughs> happens or what you find out about right. your injuries going forward, you can't get any more than this. And, and they'll even say, we'll pay you this much money and we'll pay your medical bills if they're reasonable and if they're caused by this crash. We'll pay those medical decided bills by who? for a period of three months. All hmm. they want is your signature on the release that, that prevents them from having to pay anything more because they know that there's a percentage of people who their injuries start off seeming a certain way. Yeah, my back's a little sore. My neck is a little sore, but I'm okay. Um, you know, nothing's really a problem. And that over the next week, two weeks, month, three months, it doesn't get better. It becomes worse. And these become surgical cases. These become cases of permanent impairment where they would have to pay out a significant sum of money if they're really trying to do their job of making somebody whole for what's been taken from them by the negligent actions of their insured. But instead, they're just saying, sign here. And people say, oh, $1,000. Oh, my neck I can't hurts. begin to tell you how many clients I've had come into my office on, on these type of cases. I don't do it to the extent that Bruce does, but we handle some. 
they weren't going to come to my office. They weren't going to hire a lawyer, but they couldn't get the other company to approve the $26 a day rental car for the Toyota, even though that their minivan is in the shop or their work vehicles in the shop. And they're just fed up about that. And then it turns out, well, yeah, I did go to the emergency room and I do have a low back problem and I, you know, I'm going to go see an orthopedic doctor. Well, all of a sudden there's a case that had the opposing insurance company handled with some dignity and some grace and some honesty might not have forced that person into the lawyer's office. I've said for years that if insurance companies treated people decently and fairly and honestly for six months, six months, you would put all those lawyers would be out of business because it's it's their inability to treat people fairly that I think causes folks to need personal injury lawyers. Small things like, Um, you know, using used parts for the repairs instead of, you know, approved parts from the dealership or not getting the repairs done properly or not having a decent rental car, that extra day of the rental where you have to drop yeah. it off as soon as they give you the check. And so to your point, Tug, of you know, what should you do and, and at what point do you contact the insurance company? Should you do this on your own? Let me just say this. If you only take one thing away from this segment of our show, don't sign something that the insurance company sends you and then ask a lawyer, should I have signed this? <laughs> yeah. Right? The, the answer is no, you shouldn't the, have. Just and it's ask, too late. Ask the lawyer first, right? Because it is too late at that point. It doesn't matter whether you should have or shouldn't have. You did sign it, and there's nothing I can do to undo yeah, it once you sign it. I don't know if everybody signed. else is doing this, I have a bad habit on DocuSign's documents on the internet, just scrolling to the bottom. Yeah. Well, I'm not reading anything mm-hmm. anymore. And I don't know what the heck I'm signing. And that's I'm a lawyer. I'm supposed to read everything. Now, these are documents to me. I'm in the process of selling a condominium. So I'm going through a lot of documents. And I'm assuming my agent, who's fantastic, (laughs) has looked at these and they're approved documents. But I've noticed myself. I just go immediately down to the yellow clicker and put in my pre-approved signature. And if you do it, everybody else does it. Probably. Not probably. Definitely. There's no doubt. The other thing is that there are so many decisions that have to be made very early on in your medical care about how you're going to pay for that medical treatment. This is tough for some people to hear. You know, you get in a crash and an ambulance comes and takes you to the hospital and and you have health insurance. So you think, okay, I've got health insurance and this other driver's insurance company is telling me that they'll pay me back for my out-of-pockets. So what do I need a lawyer for? Well, first of all, you're entitled to way more than just your out-of-pockets. Second of all, the ambulance company that picked you up is trying very hard not to use your health insurance to get money from you directly and out of your settlement. The hospital where you had treatment that charges enormous unregulated amounts of money is not looking to use your health insurance to get paid. They're looking to get that money directly out of your settlement by filing a hospital lien against your recovery so that they can get a grossly inflated amount from you. The hard part for people to understand all this is that you have one friend when you've been in that crash and it's your friendly neighborhood personal injury lawyer. For some folks, that's a really tough pill to swallow because they've been conditioned that the lawyers are the problem here, insurance companies are the good guys. The Georgia Court of Appeals has basically said, if, as I read the case law, well, we know the law says they're supposed to file the hospital lien in the county of service or the county of residence within a reasonable time and put it on the liens pendus file, but they didn't do any of that. It's okay. It's still a good lien. Sure. You know, if you're uninsured, you're, you're going to have to deal with bills. You got to pay your bills. But if you have health insurance, you think that my health insurance is going to pay for these things, but your health insurance is fighting not to pay, and these medical providers are actively fighting not to use your health insurance. And this is one reason, going back to a prior show, 
on your automobile policy. Get all of the MedPay coverage your company will let you get, $50,000, $100,000. MedPay generally pays 100% of the bills. It is generally non-collectible against the settlement of the case. Now, there are exceptions. If you settle with your UM carrier, sometimes they want an offset of what they've paid or at least a, a contribution. But get that MedPay. It's the cheapest coverage on your policy, and it'll, it'll save you so much headaches should you ever really be injured. And if you have questions about any of the things that we've discussed or questions about something that's happening in your life that you need to ask a professional, an expert, Bruce, how do people get a hold of you? 404-522-7553 is my number. You can shoot me an email, bruce at hagen-law.com. Check out our website, hagen-law.com. I'm on Twitter at peepslawyer, P-E-E-P-S. L-A-W-Y-E-R. Ray, how do people get hey, a hold of you? 404-964-4185. Reach out to either of these guys if you need help with a legal situation or just legal advice. This is your day in court with Bruce Hagan and Ray Judice on Extra 106.3. Have a great weekend. The winningest team in baseball also has the most saves, and people who save the most money are winners. So start earning saves by investing in worthy bonds for only $10 each. These bonds earn a fixed 7% APY, and there's no fees, penalties, or minimum balance required, and they can be redeemed whenever you like. You can even round up everyday purchases to buy additional bonds. Go to worthybonds.com backslash save. That's worthybonds.com backslash save, and save and win. Hey everybody, Buck Blue here, and as a recent customer of Jim Ellis Automotive and a longtime friend of the Vice President, Stacey Ellis, man, I know Jim Ellis Automotive Group takes pride in being a family-owned and operated business. I saw it firsthand. When Stacey's granddad, Jim Ellis, founded the company back in 71, his goal was to treat every customer like family by offering a car buying experience that was both easy and fully transparent. And it worked. 50 years later, Stacy's dad, Jimmy Ellis, grew the organization to become Georgia's largest family-owned and operated automotive group. And today, third-generation family members like Stacy, along with more than 1,700 dedicated team members, are working hard to uphold the values Jim Ellis Automotive was founded on. And that's why Jim Ellis has been around for over 50 years. Enjoy the advantages of buying your next vehicle from a family-owned and operated dealership. Visit JimEllis.com or stop by any of their 20 dealerships located throughout Metro Atlanta. Jim Ellis Automotive, where you can always expect the best. Spring is here and baseball is back. You can't forget the Derby. I love the hats. Do you have yours yet? My hat? I treated myself to a whole outfit. If you want to be able to treat yourself, then you should check out the Nest Savings Account at LGE Community Credit Union, where they want you to reach your savings goals faster. Take it from a pair of 680 The Fan Wives. Head to lgeccu.org to find out what makes their team number one in Georgia. 